damn funny. Like a... like a train in the distance. Dwarfing the mightiest. Towering over the greatest. of fury and honor, of courage and cowardice that an entire century of empire-making and film-making can never surpass. This is the day when 200 Zulu virgins and 200 Zulu warriors perform their fantastic wedding dance. the day a woman fights for her beliefs yeah. among men fighting for their lives. <laughs> You're all going to die. Don't you realize? Can't you see? Die! Why is it us? Why us? Because we're here, lad. Nobody else. gunshot wound I probe, I expect to lance three boils. Uh, a spot of medicinal brandy, it set me up. Sir. Brandy's for heroes, Mr. Hook. This is the battle of Rourke's Drift. Day and night of death and defiance. When the British were outnumbered but not outfought. When 11 Victoria Crosses were awarded in the one day for valor and extreme courage over and above the call of duty.
and welcome to Waffle On Podcast. My name is Simon Meddings. And I'm MC Kelly. And uh, I'm just, I just got distracted slightly there by your cat that just leapt out from the fence. <laughs> <laughs> just, just there. Um, welcome to uh, Waffle On Podcast. Uh, cheers, Carol. Yeah. Oh, we didn't make it. I thought we might make it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, we're drinking uh, margaritas. Yes, at uh, uh, one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's how we roll. Yeah, that's, how, that's, how we, that's how we do the podcast. Let's have a slurp. Looks like Keith Floyd, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh. That is nice. I'm glad it's a, I'm glad it's a, a light margarita. Yeah, yeah. If, you didn't, if you were coming over night and yeah. you were stopping... You'd have one of my proper margaritas. I think, I, I, think the podcast, I think the podcast might suffer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, on this edition of uh, Waffle on Podcast, we're talking about, you know, I keep saying, every time I introduce something to it, it's always the classic, but I suppose in this case, it is. No, 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 this classic. is a bona fide classic. We might say classic, but that's only in our little world, isn't it? It is a bit, yeah. This is a bona fide classic. It is a bona fide classic. We're talking about Zulu. But first of all, we have some emails. Let me just move the microphone slightly. Yes. Uh, we have an email. Right. Well, we've got a few, but uh, actually, no, we only have one, but it's a long one, so let me just read this out. Um, and this is from Tim Wagstaff, okay? Uh, hi to Waffle On Podcast, more so Mark Kelly and Simon Meddings. I am one of three people who help run with the running... Uh, of an approved by Frank Rodham off We Design Pet fan site. Ooh. Emailing you now is Tim Wagstaff, and of course the main chap who registered the site is called Lee Barrett, who resides in Blackburn. And another big contributor to the site is Andy Patrick, who resides in Newcastle. Uh, and Tim lives in Nottingham. And we were there that, that last year, weren't we? For the uh, podcast? Well, you didn't, turn up. No, 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 it was a movie. Slacker. Um, he lives in Nottingham, where most of the series 2 is made, including the old Central Studios. Now, since 2012, uh, they strive to get as much of Redesign Pet info as possible online, whether it's behind-the-scenes info, pictures or outtakes, or anything to do with the show. But I'm sure many fans agree that the first two series will always remain classics, and we do also have info on the revised series from 2002 to 2004. Yeah, the, the original two series were... Yeah, yeah, they uh, were, they were, the ones are good. It's just... It's different. Just different. It's, different, it's just still, different. still nice to see. Still, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I think you like them. A lot of the time we talk about it's because you like the characters. Yeah. That's it. The stories are not that great. But no. they're just like ours, don't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, in recent time, a former member called Bomber uh, posted oh. up a link to your podcast back from 2009. Uh, it was good to hear others with the similar thoughts talking about our favourite show. The runtime was unexpectedly long, uh, but it didn't oh. matter as it was brilliant to hear others and the opinions you both have. Uh, in every in every in future you get time or want to do an updated podcast then please get in touch as it would be good to do a podcast about AWP and the things that have happened in recent years uh, well we did talk about that didn't we I did email about that but we, we don't tend to go back on stuff. no we, um, we, we're such, we've got such low thresholds of boredom yeah we, once we've done it that's it that's it we don't ever talk about it again it's <laughs> 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 just the realism of it isn't it um, because there was a 30th reunion convention in October 2013 in Newcastle, which was organised by the charity Tim Healy and Jimmy Nail started called Sunday for Sammy. And uh, Sammy was more known for Spender. I love Spender. Oh, I love Spender. I've got that on DVD, you know Spender. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a knockoff. What was the thing? It was, what was Spanker? That, <laughs> was that a, uh, was no, that that, a comic strip? What was that? Was that a comic strip or... 
It was something because that we used to that we had that it was a spank. Was it Paul Whitehouse? Or was it? It was something. It was spank. Like it was someone like that there, wasn't they? Or was it Highland Pace or something like that? It was something like that. As a cat going, look at that cat. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, he was known for spending with Jimmy Nar, but he also played Gadji uh, Mike Cooper in the second series of AWP as the episodes neared the Spanish parts. He was going to replace Moxie, who had done a runner to get more dodgy papers with the troop over there. Needless to say, the reunion went good, and we even got to meet the most sorry most of the cast and even Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet as well as another co-writer Stan Hay and cast members Tim Ely Kevin Waitley Julie Tobin who played Brenda Val McClay Norma Leslie St John Vicky Ali Fraser's girlfriend and even Melanie Hill played Hazel Barry's wife in series 2 um, so any of his own pet fans out there please do check out Tim Lee and Andy's brilliant website you can find that at get a pen www.auf-pet.com uh, yeah, so you've showed your rides there. What? Get a pen. Get a pen, yeah. No, Both yeah. people have been on the phone. How old are oh, you, yeah. you old man? <laughs> That's because I'm drinking wine. <laughs> yeah, so uh, offpet.com. There's a, a like a dash uh, in the middle of it. Um, it's a brilliant website. I have been on there. It's, uh, it is exactly what you want from a fan website about a TV series. Well, actually, that? you mean facts. Or not it's proper facts. It's actual facts. <laughs> facts. They're not making it up as they go along. <laughs> uh, no, it is really good. Some great photos on there. I, I, you know when you just find something and then about two hours later you think, oh, Christ, I've, I've been on here for two hours. Really good site. Now, uh, I'm reading that out. One, because that is very kind of Tim to get in touch. It is very nice. Uh, but also, what links off Redesign Pet to Zulu? Oh, Someone's got to have been in it. Someone in it was it. Uh, one of the actors was in it. Who yeah. was in it? Was it? Uh, it was Ali Fraser. No. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Close though. It was, it was uh, Ali Fraser's mate, the criminal, uh, and that was played by James Booth. Oh, and he had the yeah, boat, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He had the boat. Yeah, 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 yeah. He played Ames in, in series two. So that they're nice him well. That was very nice, that was very nice. Yeah, so, Kel, what do we do before we talk about it all? You play the theme tune.
Okay, the main theme from Zulu there, composed by the legendary and much miscomposer John Berry. John Berry. John Barry. Uh, God, I, I, it's a good job this isn't a no, because you're watching Bike Off, that's what it is. He's got Mary Berry on the frame. <laughs> Uh, yeah, composer John Barry. Now, Kel, would you say Barry is one of the yeah. best movie? Would you say he's the best movie? Composer? Well, it's interesting because um, I was thinking about this tonight because I was um, I was reading a thing about uh, who is it who does uh, Star Wars and that? It's um, John Williams. John Williams, and he was uh, t- tweeting the yeah. way that he's uh, doing the score at the moment. Oh, well, uh, for for Star Wars. For Star Wars, and I was thinking, oh God, he's because you know he is stuff. I think between them two, you know, they are the. I, I, you know, Henry Mancini was also really good as well. I've he did got like Henry Mancini. I've got Henry Mancini. Pink Panther and all that, isn't it? You yeah, know? Bernstein and Hans Zimmer. You know, they, that's, Hans Zimmer's the one now. He yeah, does everything yeah, now, doesn't he? Bit, don't you think Hans Zimmer's a bit samey? It is a bit samey. It's a yeah. big orchestra, orchest, what's it, orchestral uh, <laughs> is chorus, a isn't it? Not orchestral out. chorus, isn't it? It's, these are all the same. Yeah. I, I, think, I think the thing with uh, Barry is it was a bit more um, nuanced, weren't it? it? I don't know, it's yeah. like really emotional, well, especially had, Zulu. Yeah, well, he had like a lot of jazz stuff going on as well, and, and also, of course, James Bond. I mean, he wrote a load of James Bond stuff and like that. And you'd be surprised how much uh, of John Barry's work is, is out there. That, that We've probably actually covered on, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. on various shows. Um, he also did think there was a single that brought out with the record it was called Zulu Stamp also by John Barry uh, and I might be playing that at the end of Ooh, the podcast I don't know that if I remember if, you remember. <laughs> yeah. if I remember so let's talk about it now uh, Zulu was directed let's all have all the the, the straight the yeah. straight facts first yeah. directed by Cy Enfield produced by Cy Enfield and Stanley Baker written by Cy Enfield yeah. <laughs> Cy Enfield also wrote a book about Zulu Dawn which he adapted for the screenplay for the film Zulu Dawn. So he's obviously really into Zulu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he really no, liked that. The, the actual, um, the, his script was based on the article by jo, uh, John Preble, a historian, um, and he, he, he took that along with him and wrote the screenplay. Um, music by, of course, John Barry, as, we, as we've uh, just said. Uh, it came out, the release date was the 22nd of January 1964. Of course, that coincided with the actual date of this uh, what happened oh uh, yeah uh, winning time 139 minutes uh, of course it was a, a UK US film uh, budget of just three and a half million um, it's crazy really isn't it oh god yeah. is it, that was a cheap budget then wasn't it people yeah, don't make yeah, it worth yeah. it, I think, it when you think about it um, so Cy Enfield a little bit about Cy Enfield well, Cyril Raker Enfield November 10th 1914 in Scranton Pennsylvania passed away April the 16th 1995 in Shipton on Store in Warwickshire uh, his occupation was film director, screenwriter, theatre director, author, inventor, and magician. Bloody hell! What an amazing person! Uh, he used to do magic tricks in uh, in between in between uh, shots. I, think, I don't know. It just paints a picture of such a different time of the film industry, doesn't it? Does just loads of more British. Fun, yeah, they're having a hot laugh, weren't they? Probably all drunk as a lord, weren't they? <laughs> Every night. And then they come up and then they're all messing about, but they're making these amazing films. Obviously, mm. that period, I think, from about 62 to 70 was such a great time for British films. Yeah. I, I really think so. Yeah. I, love that. I love all their mid to late 60s British films. I think it's, it's well, I mean, it's ironic you say that, considering that the lists that we've been talking about at work of, of what podcasts we're going to be covering. There's, there, is a, there is a bit of a theme going on. Definitely there. British films. You know, yeah, yeah, that's like to me, yeah. the 70s, my, my favourite American films in the 70s. Mm. I think the 70s was the new Hollywood stuff was their best on. But that late 60s, mid to late 60s, such brilliant stuff, right? Yeah. Peter Sellers making brilliant films. Oh, we've got to do Peter, 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 quite a few Peter Sellers films. Exactly. Have we done a Peter Sellers film? It's like I said, I'd love, at some point, to do Pink Panther. 
Because you know, yeah. I've got the box set as well. <laughs> Where did you get that box set? I don't know. I don't know. We, we seem to acquire it. Didn't we? I, I, seem, I seem to remember that you, I lent it you after I acquired it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I actually acquired it from you. You can't talk anymore just in case a certain person does yeah. this podcast. It's not having really bad. No, no. She could probably win one. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, no. Um, that was you, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> he has your box set. Um, so, so Stanley Baxter. Uh, I, I think Stanley Baxter is incredibly underrated. I think he's almost like... Bit of, forgotten about as well. Very much forgotten about, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, he was born William Stanley Baxter in uh, Ferndale, Rhonda... Oh, I'm going to say this wrong, so I do apologise, our Welsh listeners. Uh, Rhonda Sinon Taff. Uh, yeah, uh, 28th of February 1928, and he passed away incredibly early, actually. 28th of June 1976, at the, at the age of 48, um, in oh. Malaga. Which is obviously in Spain, married to Ellen Barker, who's on the uh, the DVD. Uh, I mean, we've you know he was in one of our favourite films, Hell Hell Drivers. Have I we love done Hell Drivers. Hell, we no, no, Hell, I love Hell Drivers. Did we do Hell Drivers? God, this is where this is where our age starts to pop. Man, I can't our, remember where we, our memories. I think it's one of things where I thought we, I could have sworn we'd done it, but it's not. I don't think. It's so did we talk about we did the, the very first one? We talked about Big Pat McGowan. We did, which is not on the feed anymore because I took it off. So maybe we could do Hell Drivers because that is we another British, a classic British, and a. Classic British casting that. Oh, yeah. Got a bit of carry on going on in there as well. There's a bit of carry on going on there. A bit of Doctor Who going on in there. And also Sean Connery. Maybe that was. I don't know though. This was 1959, so it's four years before we did Bond. No, I don't. Was he bald when he first did the first Bond? Well, he wore a toupee when he did Bond. I wonder how bald he was. Not that bad, actually. Like a horseshoe. He was, yeah, no, he was, he was Bruce Willis style, oh. right? But slightly thin in the middle bit. Yeah, yeah. And so it's only the top bit there that well, a lot of actors did. Roger Moore had one in in, um, in Bond. I didn't know that. You can tell what I look up. Yeah, I can say you just basically. Oh, so you so are, I, still, still I, I still maintain that one of the best websites going there is Shatner's. I know you never say with it. Shatner's two page brilliant because he's only got one bit of hair at the back of his neck. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Stanley Baker, I mean, uh, he became a producer. He always wanted to be a producer, ironically enough, because he, being, a work, being an actor, and also coming from theatre, his attitude was the fact that producers don't know actors, but actors know actors. So yeah, it's you, true if that. you then go from that. being an actor to be a director, Bruce Robinson, classic example, he was an actor first before what? he directed. I didn't know that. Right? Yeah, yeah, he was, he, in fact, with Nell and I, in the, in the line in with Nell and I, where he turns around and, and, and with Nell looks at the newspaper reading stage and that guy's got the role. And he goes, I wonder how, I wonder how he got that role, probably a tuppence a day and a tenner for his arse. I think that's the line. That's actually based on the truth of what happens to Robinson, that when he did, you know, as a, as a fella, he did Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah. And uh, apparently he was always after, uh, after you know, chasing him. Because kind of, he was a young, good-looking actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A young lad. And, uh, yeah, he was always after mm, a bit more than oh, like more than his lines. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know about But, yeah, going, yeah Bruce, uh, Bruce, you know, Bruce Robinson. So Bruce Robinson knew how to work with actors. And, and also, because he had that kind of, like, connection with crew, was totally honest and turned around when he did with now. He said, look, guys. Right, director, Bruce I, Robinson. I have, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. And because he was that honest, you know, good British crew as well, got together, helped him out. It's a great, it's, you know, I think, you know, he's never done enough for Bruce Robinson. Weirdly, I watched the Bruce Robinson film last week because he did, um, uh, he did uh, the Hunter S. Thompson film, the, um, I can't think of the name of it now. Um, it's really famous as well. 
anyway. Oh, uh, mm, yeah, we did it recently. Yeah. Oh, it was the other week. Yeah, well done. There you go. There you go. Huntress <laughs> <laughs> Thompson. I live like his life, but it's affect my brain. I like it is. Uh, yeah. I know she's not wearing your. Um... I wear the visor. No, what happened to you actually. when you wore your visor the other day? When you walked out in the street? Uh, I got called a faggot. <laughs> Which is a strange about 70s cuss words. Yeah, but the point is, this that person was a generation of homosexual men with someone wearing a visor, putting the bins out. Was you, was you dressed in your dressing gown? Yeah. Did you have slippers on? Yeah. And you had a visor on? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I probably. Think about it now because Emma said this, and think about what you look like. You must have looked like a rock weird, yeah. I don't think about it. I go and put the fucking bins out. I think you haven't really that since, though, yeah. Out of the back. No. No. The Rum Diaries. The Rum Diaries. Oh, well, well, of course, he also did How to Get Ahead in Advertising. He's done it. You know, you know, Johnny Depp begged him to do the Rum Diaries. He, oh, like, yeah. Yeah, he sent me an email every day of the week because he wouldn't do it because he retired from yeah, directing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he sent him every day because he said he wanted the spirit of With Nan and I. Even though it isn't like that, no. but he's directing it. It's still really good and vibrant. Yeah, yeah. I, got a, I got that limited edition box set that came out of With Nan and I. Where it was With Nan and, and um, How to Get Ahead in a beautiful box set, limited number. Uh, and also like a, a book in it as well. Oh. No, I've not taken it out. I've not played the DVDs or anything because it's staying in. It's staying in the box. It's one of them. It's like that prisoner record that bought. There's only five. I know that's too good. That is. I'm going to find that. I'm going to put it upstairs. Really Which, good. A, a What's the cover like? like? I ain't got it yet because it's pre-order. Do you know what the covers like? It's is white, purely white. Nice. I think it's got some kind of. I think it's got you know the balloon where Patrick Goes face is in. I've been to the prison either. That's no. like, I need time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Uh, born, obviously, uh, Morris Joseph Micklewhite. I tell you what, 14th of March, 1933, he's 81. Right. Uh, born in Bermondsey. Uh, resides now in Leatherhead in Surrey and also in Miami Beach. Very nice. Uh, yeah. uh, married, of course, to, at the moment, to Shakira. Because I don't think he's getting married again. Uh, couple of kids. Now, she, she, she was in the Star Trek, and she was at her. Who? Uh, no. Michael Caine's wife. No, she was in uh, Man Who Would Be King. Man Who Would Be King. Ah. Oh. Yeah, Star Trek. No, she was in that Undiscovered Country. No, that was... Um... No, no, she wasn't. No. Who was that? Who's... Anyway, yeah, get out. I don't know. Uh, and, of course, he's got brother Stanley Kane, who also featured in um, in the Italian job. Briefly. Now, look. Uh, uh, look here, you. <laughs> um, this, these are the films... I've just did a, I just did a screen grab, right? The films that Kane did directly after Zulu. Okay? Because what was his next film after that? His next film is a TV movie uh, called Hamlet at Elsinore. Uh, he played Horatio. Then he did the ITV Play of the Week from 61 to 64, so he was obviously still doing... Oh, he was still in the contract, yeah. But then, his next big film, straight after Zulu, was The Ipcris File. Amazing. Which, of course, he was joined by Nigel Green again. Straight afterwards... Best spy film ever. Alfie. Bloody hell. The Wrong Box. I don't know that one. That's not bad. You do know it. Gambit. Yeah, I like Gambit. Funeral in Berlin. The last decent one. Holy Sundown. No, no, no. Woman Time 7, Billion Dollar Brain, Dead uh, Four, The Magnus, Play Dirty, Male Species, that's a TV movie. Uh, ITV Sunday Night Theatre, Corny Player, Corny so you're still doing that. Then he did The Italian Job, 69. Battle of Britain, 69. Bloody Howl. Too Like the Hero, 70. The Last Valley, 71. Get Carter, 71. Now, I'd say that there, that's his golden period of acting, isn't it? I'd say so. I'd say oh so. my god what a run no, of films and he didn't do, a, didn't do a really good film then until he did Blue Eyes in 1990 <laughs> the same year that he did The Muppets Christmas Carol <laughs> that's crazy isn't it yeah. it's, it's a weird we, career he's can had can we do Blue Eyes <laughs> I haven't saw it since I think the thing is because I love it Chris Farr so much I said, like I said yeah. 
best British spy movie oh, ever. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, did you watch that uh, thingy thing at Christmas about all the spy films? It was really good. Yeah. Anyway, um, in, I, uh, in Kingsman, the new film coming out, he plays a character that looks just like Harry Palmer. Ah, you know, I'd like the Harry Potter. I know they did come back, but they weren't the same, were they? They did two films in. Um... <laughs> Chomping on ice there. I am, yeah. <laughs> he did two extra films um, Something in St. Petersburg, uh, and Body to Beijing. And, uh, and yeah, no, I mean, the children's they like, they like TV movies, they, well, they and the sort it. of parodies of the that's what I didn't like, man. There's a bit yeah. of a wink in there. And the thing is, because he, he done bear in mind that he'd done stuff like the, um, the Fourth Protocol. I like that. Is that the one yeah. when he's the Russian uh, yeah, spot? Like yeah, I really like that. I really like that. And he did another one as well, which I can't quite remember what it is. And of course, Jason Connery's in it as well. God, he looks older. And I don't know, he's. The, the great thing about the Icarus file is, is of course that he's got that 60s stuff he was wonderfully directed brilliantly by Balan Dayan and he's got that you know he's cooking the, the, even just in cooking the music's well, time to his favourite scene is the coffee machine coffee percolator which it's my favourite scene it's, it's an amazing scene and we haven't done the Icarus file yet yeah it's an amazing and scene and guess what we're going to be doing yeah, it's an amazing little scene uh, Jack Hawkins Jack Hawkins there we played after um, John Edward Hawkins 14th of September 1910 Evil Green Middlesex passed away 18th of July 1973 so he's been dead for you know good on 40 years he passed away at uh, 62 was married to Jessica Tandy um, now of course we all know that, that uh, Jack Hawkins during the time of Zulu had a mechanical it's uh, a crazy it's a attack. crazy fact yeah, isn't yeah, it he was still he was still being able to use his, his own voice then but I think about two years after that, was it Doctor Zhivago? Where I he, think so. When yeah, he had no, not, when he was silent, yeah. that is crazy. Silent. And then he was, he, he mimed all of his lines after that film. And do you know who uh, dubbed him? There was two actors who dubbed him. Uh, the one I can't quite remember his name. Vizzolini rings a bell. Uh, but there was one main actor. Huh? Who, uh, it was Charles Gray. Bloody hell! Is it no? You could never imagine that happening now. Mm. Uh, for example, Brad Pitt. Uh, gets some kind of throat cancer or something, loses his throat yeah. and carries on acting. That would never happen. You would be discarded. Oh, yeah. And I don't care what his name you would be. You would not have someone dubbing your voice. It's crazy, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But also the fact that, that Charles Gray did such a wonderful impression of his voice. Hardly anyone noticed. <laughs> I, no, I didn't even know till recently when you told me that fact. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I love Jack Hawkins films. Because growing up, they're the kind of films that are always on, weren't they? Oh, yeah. Stuff like him and Kenneth Cope films oh. and all that were always on. I think, I, I believe, I mean, George Baker, um, who, um, not the musician George Baker, but the actor George Baker, who uh, was in The Friend of Mysteries and he was in Number Two in The Prisoner. And he was also in On a Majesty's Secret Service. And there's one bit where um, uh, Bond is impersonating, I think it's called Hillary something. Uh, and it's George Baker doing the overdub for that because let's face it George Lazenby couldn't act to save his top he looked brilliant he had a good chin oh he had a it looks nothing like he did though I mean Connery I saw him Connery who is now in his late 80s no you, know, you told me you saw him and I thought nah it can't be that he can't look that old and then I was it's shocking he is when you old, grew up yeah, 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 yeah. with such a powerful yeah. manly person as Sean Connery arsehole yeah. That's what we mean by this. Yeah, but he is an arsehole. Oh, yeah. there's no doubt. He's supposed no. to be not very nice. I mean, person, fair, fair play to him because he's never hid the fact he's an arsehole. No, 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 no. And he's another. He's been one of these uh, famous uh, Scottish, isn't he? When he lives in, in Barbados most of his life. But he didn't say. He, I didn't hear. He was I quiet. Didn't, he didn't, I didn't see him banging about the referendum. I think they told him stay out of it. Well, cause we, yeah, because everyone turns up with me. Yeah. But also as well, I don't. As much as he's banged on about Scottish independence, 
you know, and, and hey, you know, didn't, as we said before, it's, yeah. in, it's entirely up to the Scottish people, you know, the vote, and that was it. I didn't want to see Scotland leave. No, I didn't. Yeah, I, like, I like Scotland. Um, but yeah, you know, he's got no really rights, but he's retired generally from everything. He doesn't do anything. Like Gene Ackman. Like Gene Ackman. But, but then you tell me that's a thing to look for. And I thought, bloody hell. Oh, yeah, he looks yeah, like yeah. a proper old little man. And, and, you know, he's, he's lost his I mean, size, isn't he? He's lost his size, yeah. But I mean, he's like, he's like hey, but, I know, he's still, but, but, when you, but the thing, what I'm saying, though, when you look at him, you think, you can still say it's kind of, he's still yeah. got those massive, those really cool eyebrows. And yeah, he's still yeah, got yeah, that yeah. kind of little sparkle going. And the same with Roger Moore. Roger Moore, I think Roger Moore might be even older than Connery. And you know, and he's still like yeah, sending them brilliant tweets in the week. We're brilliant about now. Then Roger. Oh, do you want to explain what that is? Well, it's still in the papers. He's still that's abandoned to filming today because of his name, hmm. Daniel Craig. Yeah. Anyway, Daniel, you see how cool he looks. So he does look uh, really for, for listeners that we're talking about because they're filming um, um, Spectre, Spectre at the moment. And there was a, a picture of Bond or Daniel Craig in a black polo neck. Looking really cool. Yeah, but it's like we said, get a snow scene back. And there's a proper look that's a brilliant. I thought you were only going to sit that. This I knew you were about to do. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, he hurt his knee a bit like, uh, and it, it was quite. It must have been quite severe to stop filming because yeah. they'd bring a standing, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. So it was quite severe. He hurt his knee. So that's abandoned filming. So Roger Moore had <laughs> he's going to come out of retirement. But then he read. Then he read that he was back on filming. So he put a brilliant tweet saying, "I'm just hanging up the safari." <laughs> it was so good because he's got such a. I, I wish was more actors had opinion in the south like Roger Moore. Yeah, it, he's just a stupid little job, really, isn't it? You're playing make believe. Yeah, and Roger. I mean, Roger Moore. I mean, I say I, I had the immense pleasure of, of uh, going to an audience with him, having a front row, literally where Rob, from meeting with your door, I sat. Was that better than the John Cleese one? Um, well, the, I thought, well, hmm, that's hard to say. Well, look, I'd probably say yeah, a little bit. Only because of the fact that Roger Moore is, you know, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't use the word legend a lot, right? But Roger Moore's a legend. John Cleese is divorced with, I mean, Roger Moore's been divorced quite a bit and lost a bit of money. <laughs> I guess so, right? yeah, yeah. But John Cleese is a, he's a serial divorcee and constantly losing that money. And he, and he called his tour the alimony tour. So you knew what you were doing. You was paying to pay for his divorce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roger Moore was doing it. Uh, he was promoting his book. He's got no financial need. He's, he's got, but he also, what, what was great about Roger Moore He's not only did you, I mean, he had a guy on stage. He wasn't, he wasn't just standing there talking. He had to have, I think yeah, he was his assistant, I think, talking to him. And, and giving him questions because the guy is getting on and by his own admission on stage he said you know I forget things that's what I did but he was also there to promote UNICEF and you know and, for, and looking after children and, and that's why uh, for me it was like you know even though he's pretty old and he, you know he struggles to get around he always he always brings up UNICEF and he always bring, and he's done UNICEF now for, oh, a long for time. 40 odd years I think Audrey Hepburn got him into it and, and you know that, that to me means an awful lot and he was funny as witty, but what I didn't know was that to the left of him was his wife. Uh-huh. And I sat there and I looked and I thought, why, why is she sitting there? Why has she got a special lead there? Because he turned out to be his wife and then that again, he just give a cheeky wave to her. Oh, yeah. And he was, he was brilliant, but no, yeah, it will, it will be. It's one of the things I don't want to think about while you're, while you're passing. Well, well, don't, cause well like, it's like, because you read about Marco Gambon in the week saying that um, oh, he can't remember the lines anymore. Yeah. It's crazy, you know. Just film it. I mean, but Judy Dench. 
said that um, uh, now she she can't do theatre and stuff because of the fact that she struggles to see the lines. Filming's different because obviously you can. Yeah, it lasts a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's literally you know you don't do long shots. And and yeah, it must be horrible when you're an actor and you, you suddenly can't. Really God, this is turning a really uh, darker turn now. <laughs> it's talking about some of the Let's move on. <laughs> Let's go to James Booth. James Booth was called born uh, David Greaves on the 19th of December. 1927 in Croydon, passed away 11th of August 2005 at 77. Um, so, uh, you know, he's had a, a, an interesting career, uh, but he's done stuff that you wouldn't really know about, you know mm. what I mean? But it's a part of my friend's name. But I, I did copy some of his selected television shows, and, uh, and these from, from, from the first from 72. Shirley's World, uh, The Sweeney, The Fall Guy, Minder, After We Design Pet, Twin Peaks, he was in Twin Peaks. Of course, that's coming back. Uh, that's coming back. Yeah. And he was in Mind Out, Gone with the Winchester, as Toby Jug Johnson. Can I imagine you things like that? Yeah, that yeah, mind Winchester. Uh, I still have to do mind actually. Um, Nigel Green, Nigel McGowan Green, uh, born 15th of October 1924 in Pretoria, South Africa. Oh. Uh, passed away on the 15th of May. This is shocking. 1972. What? Right. In Brighton, uh, in East Sussex. Uh, now, there, there is a thing where he died from accidental overdose. I'd agree did. And we, we know him, obviously, from the Icarus file. Yeah, yeah. Of course, from this film. And, he, yeah, he, although his family has always denied that he committed suicide, Peter O'Toole, uh, who had just done a film with him, in fact, he never got to see the film. I don't even think he completed the film. I think he'd done his scenes, but the film had completed. Mm-hmm. said that he was very depressed during filming. So you, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. One of those things. But it's sad to think because I think he was, he's a wonderful presence in Zulu and he's even more of a wonderful presence in Lucas Farm. But in the Madness uh, video for Michael Caine, um, they're watching, if you remember the video for it, they're watching in the cinema and they're yeah, watching yeah. what's going on. And there's a gem, there's like a major sitting there while she's got a moustache, he's got white hair. The guy is a double for Nigel Green and for years I thought it was Nigel Green because you know you think well this is you know we're looking at him here in 60 you know 64 uh, in Chris Farrell 65 yeah this is a good about 20 years later so what he'd be yeah you know near 50 I'd nearly 60 and so you think he did look old in that but it's not him he's someone who just looks like him for years I thought it was him that's interesting watch you next time yeah yeah yeah. so should we talk about the film yeah Okay, so uh, I'm going to just say this little bit here and then we'll just talk about it generally. Now, the film um, states introducing Michael Caine, uh, that's the title, it comes out, introducing Michael Caine, which in essence is true because it's his first, first major, major film. film. Because it's his first film which he plays a lead. Because there's two He's been in films before, I know. This is the thing, mate. He's been in films before, this is the first film he's playing a lead because Stanley Baker and Michael Caine are the two lead actors in this film, right? But. How many screen credits had Michael Caine had before Zoom? Oh, screen credits. Oh. This means TV. Yeah, yeah, we've been on the and film. Okay, uh, it was quite late. Well, how old was he? Thirty. He was in his thirties when he did it. He got, so, he got fans. Yeah. Nothing out. Fifteen. Fifteen. No. Think again. Actually, let's have a look. How old was Michael Caine? He was born in thirty-three. Yeah, so he was thirty. Uh, fifty. Uh, Twenty-five. No. I'm gonna. What is it? 47. What? <laughs> this, was, sorry, this was his 46th screen credit. So he'd done so big parts, uncredited parts, you know, uh, um, he's in loads of stuff when you see him. Oh, there's a famous one who's in the army as well and you can just see him in the background. Because you know I collected loads of Michael Caine stuff. I had videos of Yeah, him right him. when you were younger. Yeah, yeah. 46. 
So that's that thing again. It was like he was an overnight success. He wasn't really, was he? No, he'd been he'd been struggling to get to. to you know, I don't think this overnight thing really happens, does he? I think even if anyone, you've been he looking. He probably does nowadays because there's a lot more. Phil, as more young Phil. actors, isn't that? Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, look at the likes of uh, your man who Redmayne. Yeah, yeah, Do you yeah. Know what I mean, I mean, how old is he? Twelve. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So the film stars, what a lot of people forget, of course, is that there's another major film star in this film, though not seen. Who's that? Richard Burton. Oh, yeah, doing that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Richard Burton's narration tells us about the Battle of Isindlwana, which, of course, would be told in the prequel, Zulu Dawn, some 15 years later. It's actually a more important story than Zulu. Yeah, yeah <laughs> because that battle devastated the Yeah, Zulu was a it was, it wasn't no, any, it was yeah. skirmish. And that happened on the morning of 22nd of January, uh, 1879. Of course, this film is set in the afternoon. Uh, just 15 years gap between the two. Also, as well, um, the, the Zulu Dawn, now wearing the proper uniform as in this and that. Oh, yeah, it's really <laughs> weird, Zulu Dawn, because I know we'll talk about that, but quickly, that mm. Zulu, Zulu Dawn's hated by a lot of people, when actually, Perfect. historically and everything, it's actually a better film. It is a good. It's a, in fact, you know, well, we do have a, we actually have a comment that was on our Facebook page, which I'll read at the end of us talking about it. But yeah, you're right because yeah. well, it's got a great cast: Denim Elliott, yeah, Simon Ward in it. Um, it looks brilliant. It's yeah. filmed really good. Written again, as I said earlier. Anyway. I like the bleak. It's bleak. The end, well, yeah, yeah, because you can't smudge. You it, know, can't. you know that's it. You can't. You know, you're thinking that you have a film where the heroes are all wiped out. Yeah, and that ain't that ain't a plot spoiler. Surely, if you know about this, <laughs> do you know what the score right, is. Yeah. But also, as well, that's one probably a contributing factor why people don't like it. Because there seems to be this trend where you can't have a sad ending. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm sorry, it's historical. It's apparently, um, again, waffling off topic, This uh, J.K. Rowling's first book after Harry Potter was called The Casual Vacancy. I bought that. Never read it, but I bought mm. it because it was like first edition. Um, they've changed the ending because it's it, too bleak. Uh, you well, know, what, 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 why? As we talk about this, we've been talking about this lately, haven't we? That there's a mass market out there for people who like stories, mm. whether they've got a good ending or a bad ending, they like the story, yeah. the proper story. You know, you, you know, you can, you can add all, you can, the BBC are terrible for it though, aren't they, of lightening things up, aren't they? Yeah. And I don't know why, they, you Which know. Which is ironic, because EastEnders Christmas episodes are the worst well, things in the world. I know, yeah, but they seem to love it with soaps, make them really depressing, but anything else, you can't have anything. Thing, yeah. I, I, like I said, it just is a, not a better film, I'm not talking about, you know, just a better... Yeah, I don't think it's a bad. I don't think no, it's no, no, it's an entertainment yeah, yeah, piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. But if you were going to show someone history, mm. say you had a, 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 a ten. So Isla grew up when she was eleven, read about these things. Oh, I want to know the Zulu wars. Mm. You'd rather show a Zulu dawn than Zulu because Zulu dawn has got the facts in it. it has, Zulu yeah, yeah. is just all made. It's loads. Of, um, you know, brilliant film. As we'll go and later on, as we'll mm. talk about. There's a lot of stuff made up, isn't there? A lot of stuff added in. There's a, there's a lot of stuff. Again, there's a lot of artists. A lot of legends. There's a lot of legend in it, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, there is a bit. But I mean, generally it's true, but there's Pop, some... We'll talk about Hookie later, but... Uh, yeah, it was a very good idea. Um, now, Michael Caine. Right, we, we first see Michael Caine. Well, we first see Stanley Baker. What's well, he Bromhead in it? Is he plays cool? just, uh, He plays Bromhead. Um, Stanley Baker plays John Chard. Uh, of John Chard there, he's in the river making a bridge. Uh, and, and already, when you got the two... This is what I really like, because I tried to sack Michael Caine. The producers tried to sack him throughout the whole of the film. Didn't, I mean, they, go for, didn't they go for Hooky? He went for Hooky with James yeah. Booth beating him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, um, apparently there was, I don't know if I've got it on the, um, on the facts, I don't think I have actually, but if I remember this right, he went for the Vala Hooky, got turned down, right? But then the, the actor who was meant to play Bromhead fell ill or couldn't do it, and they needed someone to hand away, and he was at a party, Michael Caine was, because Michael Caine <laughs> and Terrence Stamp lived with each other at the time. 
But that, that must have been a rocking house. Now them two, <laughs> two <laughs> Lotharios, let's face it, two oh, good-looking yeah. fellas. Um, you know, and I think to, I even think Terence Stamp was was wanted for Bromhead, and uh, and and it, Kane got talking to the guy, and went, "Oh, we need you to come over," and he shook his hand and went straight after the party. That's how quick he was. But throughout the whole film, the producers wanted him. So in fact, Kane even read a letter. Mm-hmm. from a, a main producer saying we want to sack him because he was nervous then all the time thinking he was going to get sacked because what he used to have have a habit of doing if you look at Michael Caine's eyes he's got very heavy eyelids uh, and, which is actually Caine's good attribute especially in Get Carter because his eyes are quite menacing even though he's got you know he's a good looking fella yeah, yeah, he's yeah. got a menacing thing which is why he wears glasses because he's blind and when you look at it all the time he's got his peak oh, is he, is he really like, without his glasses yeah, in yeah, yeah. yeah he's a bit like Chris Farrell he takes his glasses off you know he's got that blur thing he's just like that oh. um, and so he, every time he's looking he's got that kind of vacant kind of stare every now and again oh. and I hated that I think he's got eyeliner in it as well when you look at it he does seem to have fairly fairly hairy eyeliner but they had tried to suck him throughout the whole and do you know the interesting Bromhead the, the real character was nearly stone deaf hey he was nearly bloody <laughs> 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 What a poor joke for our podcast. But no, he was nearly stone deaf. And the reason, the original reason why he didn't take control, he didn't know was going, he couldn't hear it. And you know, he was a terrible soldier. And that's the reason he was sent there. Oh, he wasn't a good soldier. Yeah, well, he, he used pro- to put he people proved, out. He proved his point there, though, didn't he? He was pretty, because him and Chard. Oh, yeah. I think thing. it changed his, he, 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 you know, everyone, the other British Army changed after that because I thought he was just an idiot. No. Deaf, he's partial. We'll send him out and put him out where there's going to be no fighting. And yeah, little did they know what was yeah. going to happen. I mean, you know, fight. Is a weird thing. I don't think we bring. I mean, the real stuff that yeah, I know you'll bring it up in a bit mm. later on, but there's, there is quite a few things about. I'm not going to go too much yeah, about yeah, it because yeah. it is a film and it comes it's a down film, to yeah. it. If you want yeah. that, read the book. To be fair, Sandy Baker and Michael Caine are a lot better looking than what they're. The oh, yes. are, so. mm. <laughs> um But yeah, so we see Baker, he's, he's trying to build his bridge, and Bromhead comes along. And I'm, I'm going to tell you what, both me and you are going to really say, right? You, who do you want to play? Do you want to play Chard or do you want to play. Watch, I didn't need to bring that back. <laughs> Moving the microphone. Right, I'll lift it up. Right, so who are you going to play? Are you going to play Bromhead or Chard? Who do you want to be? I'll be Chard. You'll be Chard, okay. So I'll, I'll do Marvel Kane. Hot work. Damned hot work. Still, the river cooled you off a bit though, eh? That's you. you oh, my, oh, yeah. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? John Chard, Royal Engineers. Uh, Blumhead 24. That's my post up there. You've come down from the uh, column? That's right. They want a bridge across the river. And who said you could use my men? They were sitting around on their backsides doing nothing. What have you asked first, old boy? I was told that their officer was out hunting. Uh, yes. I tell you, my man to clean your kit. Don't bother. No bother. I'm not having to clean it myself. Still, a chap ought to look good, smart, in front of the men, don't you think? Well, chin chin, <laughs> do carry on with your mud pies. Now, no, I you wouldn't get a script like that these days. <laughs> no. <laughs> Is every British uh, quirk in there? I thought it was worth us reading that because, of, we do, because we don't try and clutch, you know, scenes from the film. But straight away, that introduction of those two characters, you've got the upper class The guy, class in it. And you've got the, the yeah. Welsh, you know, the, the engineer. Or, of course... Soon you find out, though, of course, that he has a higher, not higher rank, but was commissioned earlier. Yeah. So, of course, that's why... It's that interesting thing, isn't it? You know, I think it's always hard for people who don't come from Britain 
to understand how much class is part of being British. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is everywhere. It's in every film you watch, isn't it? And every political, everywhere. Mm. You know, in America, in America and Europe, they haven't really got that. They're not like we have. And it no, is, no, no. that is important because this is the world we live in. Yeah, yeah. And, and automatically, straight away, he takes charge, even though he's just turned up. And of course, there is a little bit of, you know, the other men just keep looking, well, who's he? And he goes, like, Bombhead has to turn around and say, in real life, though, I think it's like he's been commissioned two months earlier. In real life, he was commissioned three years earlier. So there, yeah. was a big, there was a big difference between the two. So yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, so, the, uh, Baker, oh, my head goes off. Now, that isn't Michael Caine on the horse. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, yeah uh, I've read, I read one of, when you know, he's still over here, I read one of his, and he didn't like horses very much, did he? Oh, well, he comes from Bermondsey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they probably ate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, he didn't like it. So, when you see the person riding off on the horse, that's not Michael Caine. Isn't what, okay. He was that. He couldn't even get on the horse to walk. Oh, I don't think he got. No, he was on it to do some of the. But with the shoot, he was going off. No, <laughs> he was all over the place. It weren't happening, so they, they replaced him. But virtually straight away, when when they get into camp, it all kicks off. It yeah, literally yeah. kicks off straight away with the Zulus. Now, Baker has the most incredible sideburns. And yeah, no, yeah, have to the there's some good facial hair in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got your man who's in Minder, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Winchester. Yeah. He, he gets shot pretty quickly, but he's got a good he's got a good amount of uh, hair going on. Nigel Green's got the best beard going on. That's the beard I'm going to have soon. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael beard less. No, it sums up the British way of hot weather. What do we do in hot weather? I oh, know. Let's wear the most inappropriate clothing and have loads of hair. Yeah, exactly. It's the British way, isn't it? Let's wear a big red coat on the affects the sun and have a big hair. It's pretty hot, isn't it? Then there's other dudes wearing nothing. Wearing nothing. Hiding behind the bush. Literally, how not to be seen. Yeah, because I think you know, I think we've got to get away from the cultural. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, dodginess of this film because. It's you know a lot of people hate this film that they because oh god it's Britain really? in there fighting oh yeah oh, very right, much right. so especially the people on the left very much so because oh you know it's like it was imperialism but you just aren't taking it as the film aren't we? And oh, the I love Zulu weren't the bl- nicest people in the bloody world either. No, Shaka Zulu was not a nice person. <laughs> what the singer? <laughs> no, the, 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 uh, the African dictator Shaka Zulu. No, they anyway, weren't. So uh, you know, um, and and but um, Baker was adamant that he didn't want to do any kind of serious racial stereotypes. When you, so when you watch the film, if you watch it closely, both sides. There's no, you know, pred- what's no, no. Um, you know uh, predictability to No, 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 no. You know. There's not good guys and bad guys in this film. No. Because I think they're both brave, and that's what this film's... Mm. You know, the British Army are brave, but they're also really brave, running into a load of, yeah. we- you know, a load of guns mm. with a spear. With a spear. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They didn't have guns, though, didn't they? Because they started... They're the ones up on the hill. hill. Now, uh, the, another character who... I know we, I know you're going to bring a hooky bit later on, but one yeah. of the, another character who was uh, uh, not portrayed correctly it was actually Otto Witt played by Jack Harkness Jack Harkness what <laughs> that's one from Talk what <laughs> I think that's a Freud you slip listeners <laughs> it's because I was reading earlier on that he wants to, yet again he wants to come back into the show <laughs> Balaman leave it leave it Balaman um, yeah by Hawkins um he actually fought. He, he wasn't the kind of like, you know, the drunken and wanted to get, you know, the mate and, oh, you were all burned for God. He didn't do that. He actually wasn't there and part of it. It was his station. But he was actually helping try and get some other people away. And uh, he and Jack Hawkins was that upset by how his betrayal came out. Which, again, I think is a bit of bollocks because he read the script. 
So yeah, you know, yeah, you've read yeah, the script, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a Jim Carrey moment, you know what I mean? So he refused to attend the attend Like Kick Ass 2, isn't it? That's yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah. But, I do, I do, but, but again, for filming reasons, it is good to have that person there saying, look, is this right? Is this morally right? You're killing fellow man. You know, it's a that. film, isn't it? It's a film, it's and a it, film. it does work well because then you have that, you know, um, uh, when Nodge Green wonderfully comes up and he goes, be a good fellow, you know. And, yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. It, is, it is good. Now, in the Zulu's attack, and, and it's wonderfully done by the... Um, Oh gosh, what's the guy called who's a, a native of um, the land? Uh, he's a boar. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Was the, the yeah. tower? And he, and he turns around and he describes how they're going to do the buffalo attack and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, with the horns in it. Yeah, and, and Michael Caine's character goes, uh, you know, all the is it called the levies? Uh, you know, damn cowardly blacks. And he goes, they're fighting for you. Wonderful scene because it just goes to show how you know that how the British were at the time of underestimating and not appreciating that. Oh, well, well, this is the first of the the. You know, loads of people always talk about it. It's nothing like uh, Niall Ferguson, one of my favourite historians. He talks about it. it was the first death knell of the British Empire. Mm. It's where re- people realise, oh, yeah, you can, you can fight these British. They're not as... Yeah. Because they usually win. It was unfair. That's why all these red coats, they're coming mm. out, they're going to kill us all. But you can fight, you can fight. You outnumber them by about 100 to 1. We're such uh, a small country. I mean, it's where it starts happening. People started fighting. Well, against you, yeah, uh, army uniform problems, even when I was in the First World War, because the, the French, we know. And, you know oh, they're, they're, they're blue. Still war. Yeah, the blue coat. And they're like, look, you're going to get shuffled. You're going to get strutting peacock, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you want. You know, you know. Now, in the Zulu's attack, um, the, yeah, the, the, I, saw, I think someone brings it up on one of our Facebook comments that, that the fight choreography isn't the best thing. No, it's the 60s though, isn't it? Yeah. It's really difficult because they didn't have this idea of having a film. What are you going to make it next? You make no. no money. Yeah. This is just the way it is, especially in the 60s. Violence, basically, was all over British TV. What did it entail? A punch up at the end of a TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they still got that going on where. It's sort of friendly violence, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few. There's quite a few cases where you see the spears go in, and, 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 and you see them holding the shield so <laughs> that you don't see it being stabbed. Yeah. And there's one case where he, he just kind of it blatantly misses. Quite there's a one in, uh, in uh, where Hawkey's fighting that scene yeah. where he and it's really a blatant rubber spear. spear. Oh yeah, it don't matter. Though. It, it don't matter. You've got to you've got to turn off from that. It's still you know you're still getting the thing that's going. It happened. Like, yeah, it happened. There's still a load of you know as you say guns spears. But a little bit later on, I think I think that actually. Yeah, okay, the spear fighting bit isn't, it is a bit now when you look at it now, you think, oh, it's a bit dated. But when they're doing the, the which the British were found, the, 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 the columned line, line oh, I love shooting, that bit. You yeah, know, yeah. shoot fire, second row of fire, third row of fire, reload, and they do that. So and they get smaller and, and smaller, don't they? I love yeah. that. They get into the British square, which is what we invented, that yeah. idea of a yeah. square. Where you know you you know you can kill a lot of bloody people, and they do. That's oh, what see that, people that. forget how many they you know we talk mm. about how many the, 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 uh, the British soldiers died. How many the bloody Zulus died? Thousands oh, yeah. of them. I mean, well, it's funny because that's one thing. Zulus, thousands of them. Yeah, uh, and, and there is that one thing though. We they think it's a train. Then I say, sounds like a train. Was that? And then we do Zulu chant. Now you wanted to bring something up about um, a football and that, didn't you? About the Zulu. Oh well, I guess it's been. It's really weird because being in being in now, uh, everyone knows about it. People in Britain are going to know about this, aren't they? If you know yeah. about anything about football hooliganism, but being in Birmingham, we've had <laughs> Zulus around us all the while because one of our big teams is Birmingham City, and they're big firm or their big gang he's called the Zulus yeah, Zulu, isn't it yeah. so we've always heard Zulu yeah, <laughs> it's like well, uh, yeah because I was saying the other day that um, uh, I, I think I was saying to my wife that I remember being at the Blues watching the game and the Tilton Road end which is where generally the firm was used to be was metal shooting at the back 
but it was so well done. I mean, obviously they've had years of practice, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're just made up on the spot. Where you just, he was lost like Zulu, the film where you'd hear the, the hit of the metal. Yeah, and he was yeah. like slowly, like, ch- 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 <laughs> and you're there going, and you think, what the hell's going on? When, you, when you've never seen it before. And suddenly, and he, then with the stamp of the feet, it was, it unnerved me. And I was like, I'm a Birmingham, oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, then I was. Um, and, and but of course he did G up the crowd he G'd up the players yeah, well, so yeah. he did work of course they also use that outside the ground where they uh, but killing people and standing on me standing on me jogging donkeys on Blackpool but so we were never saw that in Zulu no we saw that for Zulu around us all the while because everywhere you're going like South Birmingham you see like the Zulu Zulu wrote everywhere yeah. now in the film they say Zulu's thousand of them not really there's a bit of a Paul Merton going on in this film. Oh, exactly. Where, right, they, sure. they did actually have what one bloke with a load of shields all nailed together, and another bloke at the end at the top. So when you see them, I hill, the best scene in it with Paul Merton <laughs> with, the, with the Germans. But then, the, uh, and then the prisoners have got one as well. Yeah. There's only two people in the whole thing. It's not out, is it? Can't get I it. They released Do you know? It. No, because uh, he was on. He was on Five Live talking about someone saying, "When are you bringing it?" He said, oh, "I haven't got the rights to it, and I can't afford to do it." It's never been repeated. Only ever been on the TV once, oh. and it was amazing. The Paul Merton show. Been right? The Paul Merton show. Oh, oh right. Yeah. Um, so, um, Hooky. Uh, great scene where you know the whole of the Zulus are coming in. They're fighting. The place is being, you know, because even at the beginning, Chad turns around when you're saying you need to build empty all the soup pans, and you got that knobhead of a chef going, you know, it doesn't look good soup anyway, does it? Yeah. You know, and he says, douse the fires." And even Bomber says, "Why?" He goes, "Because we've got thatched roofs everywhere." Because ultimately, that roof does get caught fire in the hospital. And there's loads of like mistakes in that because they go. It's only a small hospital. Yeah, they seem to have about four different walls. Oh no, yeah, they said someone said about the, 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 uh, when you actually look at it, don't make it a bit like, um, a bit like Sh- and the Shining as well, isn't it? Or the rooms. Yeah, I told you about that thing. If you actually look at where they go, it don't make any sense where the hotel is. No. It doesn't make any sense. It's supposed to be part mind, of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The Shining, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a basic because Hooky all the way through it, the Hooky, the character in the film, is all the way through, you know, he doesn't want to fight anything like that until his mate turns around and says, Oh, you know, I want you to fight any fights. And, but, you know, he's got that, the antagonist, the sergeant. Who keeps telling him, like, you know, I'll make a soldier of you, yeah, okay, suddenly he dies in that. But there's a brilliant scene where he, he, he rescues, he picks him up on his shoulder and he goes, Send me in here with no pay. And what do you do with my money? Sent it to my missus. And he slaps his ass. <laughs> what do you do that for? <laughs> <laughs> but, Hooky, yeah, so you, you say mm. a bit about this. The is the, the, no, this is the, I think this is the most contentious issue in the old film. Mm. His character, now, in this film, he is a shirker bit of a coward and a drunk. Hmm. In real life, it was teetotal. Yeah. He, he was in there because he was one of the toughest soldiers and bravest who was in there. Now, his daughter, when she went to see the premiere, she, invited, she walked out the film after 25 minutes because yeah. his film tried to sue the thingy. But they said, oh, they're just made it a char- making a character up. But there was no... I, I do not know why they made Hooky's cake. It was strange with all the characters they had... The changed one of the most the bravest soldiers yeah, in there. Yeah, it was yeah. the bright, really bright well, soldier. I did that too as well. Uh, it's strange. Why they made him a drunk? That was a he was teetotal, wasn't he? Yeah. It's strange. Again, it, it I know it's a film, but you could have had another antagonist, couldn't you? Yeah, really. Yeah, there. There was no I think it was just a fact. Is that it, you know, not because I love it because it don't ruin the film. Like, and like I said, it doesn't because that character is amazing in it, and you've got that thing of an arc, haven't you? Yeah, you've got yeah. a story arc with him, and I think. 
Hollywood, even whatever, love that. Yeah, they good at redemption, comes good at the end, and all that. Yeah, they didn't want him brave and sober, just standing there, three yeah. the first, so they wanted that. But I think it's the strange thing. Yeah, true. I mean, what, what's one of the best? I'm going to say mine in a minute, but what's your what's your best scene in the film? My favourite scene is Hooky fighting in the in, in when, the, when he's getting trying to get them all out in the place. And he, and he re, I know that, but you know. Massive continuity football. Oh, that's loads of him. Because when he smashes that medicine cabinet to get the brandy out, he gets the brandy out and it's a thin bottle, but then when you see him drinking it, it's a big man bottle. Oh, typically you'd remember that one, eh? Yeah. Uh, but no, I just like that scene because I like the close combat fort fighting. Yeah. I think, you know, all the soldiers were out. They were in the line. You were pretty protected, really. Mm. He was fighting with sick men Yeah. in a little tiny figure. Yeah, and I just well. really like that yeah. scene. I know that... It's quite scary as well, isn't it? It is what I was going to say. My thing with that is that when he's fighting, it goes from being a jolly rump then yeah. into probably other fighting for the lives. Because yeah. before that, it is a bit, oh, we're going to win, aren't we? We're in the gut the British line. They're never going to get through. And then the line starts to fall. Mm. And then they're, they're everywhere. Because that seems amazing when it, when it comes up. They're all fighting all over the bloody place. Yeah. Thinking these are only a few hundred men. Fighting thousands. That's, that's the case, yeah. I think, fighting, I think we only lost 17 men. Right? It's crazy, really, yeah. isn't it? Although it seems to be a lot more dying than the actual. Oh, no, no, that's it. You see, some people <laughs> seem to die about four times, don't they? <laughs> um, my favourite scene is um, when <clears throat> they're having a break. It's almost like a break. And the Zulus come on and they start singing, they start chanting, and they're doing their dance, their kind of stuff going on. And Chard sees that the men just put their heads down and see that they're, you know, they're, they're literally thinking, we can't carry on like this. And he goes up to the, one of the Welsh shoulders, Jones, turns around and says, you know, you think they're better than the, the Welsh? And he goes, well, they've got a good bow on, but they've got no other. And he goes, do you think you can do better? And he starts that thing. Which of course, is, yeah, the men of Harlech. Which we're going to play. Yeah, you've got to. Now. Men of Harlech, stop your dreaming. Can't you see the spear points gleaming? See the warrior men of screaming to this battlefield. Men of Harlech stand descending, it cannot be ever standing.
it Welsh is. tones there. Even though... But if you say the Welsh do... Oh, no, they're brilliant there. They're, they're singing. Even though this bit of the film where they... And they walk away and leave them. Is, That's the end of the film, that is. Yeah. No, that didn't happen. No, it didn't happen. In fact, the, the reason that... The reason all that, because I looked over the mountains, sort of massive British relief column. Yeah. And what happened then, two days later, they all got destroyed. <laughs> yeah. This is the reality. Bit like at the time, bit like with America now, Mm. They'll get you back, don't you worry. No, they'll wait, they'll get you. But, you know, like I said, it's a perfect little bit of a film. I don't care that it's not real. It is quite nice, nice where the fact that they, you know, they say, oh, they're doing it, I know. But there's also the real cringy moment in this film is where you've got the boar, you know, the the native, and he's going, uh, you know, and he thinks he has a go, and then you've lost, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then they're doing the chanting, and he, and Michael Caine's sitting here, and he's going, now they're on it, and Michael Caine's laughing. It's awful acting, that is. <laughs> he's, he's just there laughing away, and you're thinking, what are you laughing at? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, totally yeah. out of character from Bonhead, which is really weird. Um, do you want to hear some comments? Do you want some comments? Go on, then. This is from Pete Foltz. He says, hello, gents. Glad you were covering this classic film, one of my favourites, and I hope that you open the show with Men of Heart playing Bay. Well, you've just heard it, Pete. Well, yeah. Just heard it. Uh, such a battle and victory after the tragedy of Iswan Dahala. I recall uh, reading that the Colour Sergeant Bourne, played by Nigel Green in the movie, actually lived until 1945. I love those movies. Will you do the thin red line? No, no, no. no it's, uh, it's just a film of colour, isn't it? Good film, but... Oh, yeah, we can't keep doing the same kind of films. I mean, no. that's the thing as well. This is our first big... Well, well, it is a war movie, really. It is a war movie. movie. Thanks again and keep up the good work. Pete from Philadelphia. P.S. I want to hear why Brother Cal won't do Darling Buds of May. Because if you know me, I don't really roll like that, do I? It's not really my cup of tea there. But you did like Catherine Zeta-Jones. I did like Catherine Zeta-Jones. I remember we all stopped in for the bit where she got her tits out, didn't we? Do you remember that? Everyone... Oh, I don't. There was one bit where she got tits out. She did. Yeah, yeah. What was that? Was that a dream? That wouldn't have been that's a dream. I think about it. That can't have made David Jane. It was a dream. I just realised that now. It was a dream. I do. I was trying to. Were we all in your dream? Wait for Catherine Zeta-Jones. I was trying to a dream when she got topless. Okay, onto our Facebook page. We have these. This is Grant, uh, from Grant Kernan. I watched it again, and it's lost a lot since my childhood. With an acting to the screen, and worst choreography fighting ever. Has it ever been remade? Four to ten. Uh, four out of ten, sadly, but eight out of ten of the nine-year-old. Uh, no, it hasn't, been re- it hasn't been remade. Four out of ten? You're, you're wrong, Grant. <laughs> you are wrong, Grant. Uh, uh, an official waffle-on statement. You are wrong. You are wrong. It's, it's not that bad. You got... <laughs> But yeah, you wouldn't, that means every Doctor Who would be about a one out of ten, yeah. then, wouldn't it? If you look back when you were a kid, Sir Grant, we are saying you're wrong. Um, it hasn't been remade. And and I, I, I hope it won't be remade. It's like, you know, it'll probably, it'll probably be remade with women in it. But weirdly, I was about this, though, you know, could they remake it? I think there's certain films that are too classic, aren't they? That are, it's just too. Well, I don't know. It's like I they never make remake the Ipcus file. You, you can't. Yeah, but they probably will. It's like that, you know. Well, that's like Get Carter. You can imagine they remaking, you know, The Great Escape. I mean, they're remaking Highlander now, aren't they? Why remake Highlander? It doesn't need to be made. They remade uh, Total Recall. The remake. No, 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 it's pretty awful. And as well. now, my, my comment just then, my, my joking comment just then, uh, about Ghostbusters with, with women in it. Now, I've got no qualms about that. It's not but I don't understand why they can't have it as a continuation. They'd have another branch. Have another branch. Oh, look, it just yeah, happens yeah. to be... What like was interesting that within them um, Sony emails, one of them was them when they were trying to get Bill Murray to do it, weren't yeah, they? Trying to, to, uh, get, trying to see what they do, would they? No, they wouldn't. 
Bill Warner is not the kind of person you're going to scare with, so he loves to say piss up. No, no. I, I mean, look, I mean, I hope, I hope these, the new Ghostbusters films are good, but he's good. I just, we don't need, What's a, the point? We, don't, we don't need a origin story. We just need, look, if they're going to do it, I'm happy for it to be an all woman cast. That doesn't bother me one bit, but have it as a co- A group of women who set up their own. Who set up their yeah, own, yeah, like, yeah, all no like, you know, because then you could have, like, you know, our founders have a picture of them all, you know, a little nod and all that. Uh, probably won't. Anyway, um, Steve Crust says, "Good name, Steve Crust. That's a good what name. A brilliant That's name. A brilliant name. That, right, that sounds name. like an agent. Steve <laughs> Crust uh, says, it's my favourite film. Great choice. The music is awesome too. Some great names in it. The sequel, stroke prequel, yeah, is good. Battle scenes are better done, but Zulu is great. Very historically inaccurate too. Keep up the good work, guys. Uh, Timmy Morris, uh, he says, get them bloody spears out of my face. <laughs> Neil Morgan has this to say." After hearing Men's of Harlot played at music school concert, I played my students the epic singing battle of Men of Harlot, the Zulu war chants. Uh, that is very, that's what you did in the film. Gareth Lloyd thinks uh, that Nigel Green is awesome, which of course is true. Uh, Anthony James, our friend Anthony G, uh, said, uh, I thought you'd already done it. <laughs> to be fair, so did we. We probably have um, talked about it at some point. Mark McHugh says, I once hired a car to the guy who played hooky. <laughs> what a miserable old fecking You can imagine that. <laughs> You can, you can sort of imagine that, can't you? <laughs> There's definitely, he's got that, exudes that arrogance in that film, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does. He really, really does. I think he does. like that in Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan Hughes, our friend Dan, says, one of my favourite films of all time. The singing scene still sends shivers down my bars. I think the bit I liked it as well, if you like, you could watch that if you're eight. And be yeah. really entertaining, not be too no, not bothered by it. No, no, no. Uh, some of the death scenes are rather dodgy, though. And Natalie says, uh, I think I'm related to her, uh, says, I like the music in it, and the Zulu chanting is ace. It is, the, so, the, the music is just used all over radio. You heard it all the while, didn't you? Now, there's loads of trivia, so I've cut this down to what I thought would be pretty good. And look, there's loads of historical inaccuracies in this film. Yeah, but not, there's, yeah, but the, the, there's some great websites out there which, which don't, don't curse the film at all, but they also give you a lot of you know uh, comparisons to and some really good information about the, the real-life people in there. So just all you'd have to do is you've got the internet. Look at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So here's some trivia. You've got some trivia, right? not you, I think? Maybe. Oh, yeah. if, if, I, if I talk into these, I do probably. Yeah. <clears throat> the Battle of Helm's Deep sequence in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, was filmed in a manner deliberately reminiscent of Zulu, oh, according okay. to Jackson's commentary in the supplemental material including on the special extended edition of The Two Towers. What is the about still? Is that the best ever seen in all the Lord of the Rings? I think Helm's so. Deep and he, Jackson also owns one of the uh, Zulu Shield props. He just loves British cinema, don't know. He, he just loves 60s British cinema, doesn't he? He's just ace. Nearly three billion, the Hobbit trilogy, man, and no, no one's talked about it. It's weird, isn't it? It's, weird. it's that kind of, And I thought, I thought the films are great. We've but. talked about that before, though. Like, all them, the three original films, everyone talked all about them. Mm. And all you hear with the new one is negative. You've yeah. heard nothing positive about no, them. No, yeah, three billion. Yeah, it's and weird, they are isn't really it? good, so... Oh, the Germanic war chant in the battle scene at the beginning of Ridley Scott's film Gladiator is the Zulu chant from Zulu. In the video commentary, Scott revealed that the Zulus was one of his uh, Zulu is one of his favourite films. Uh-huh. Mm. The Battle of Rourke's, Rourke's Ford in S. M. Sterling's science fiction novel On the Oceans of Eternity is a recreation of the movie premise, right down to the malingering private hook. Here's something interesting for you. Stanley Baker purchased John Charles Victoria Cross in nineteen seventy two, but believed it to be a replica. After Baker's death, he was sold to a collector at a really low price and it found to be genuine. <laughs> oh dear. Marking the anniversary, oh dear, a Marking the anniversary of the Battle of Rourke's Rift, the popular BBC TV primetime program, The One Show, featured the film 
The One Show said that the film was still popular in British culture, and it also showed behind-the-scenes footage of the filming and cast members with the broadcast that this episode is not known. Weird how The One Show just tell it, I bet they did something about slippers afterwards. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, or parking charges. Um, the epilogue at the beginning states that 11 soldiers from the battle were awarded the Victoria Cross, which is correct. However, though, 12 soldiers were actually nominated for the award, the 12th being Colour Sergeant Frank Bourne, played by Nigel Green. On being informed of his nomination, Bourne requested that he be given a commission instead, Bloody which yeah. the Army agreed to do, awarding him in the Distinguished Service Medal instead of the VC. Bourne was the youngest Colour Sergeant in the British Army at the time and went on to have a distinguished career, retiring as a Lieutenant Colonel when he died. In 1945, he was the last surviving soldier from oh, that's amazing. And I told you that um, that my mum and dad went on holiday last year to Wales and they were driving. My mum and dad love old churches, love stained glass windows. Yeah. They went into this church and there was uh, all their. Um, it's where they were buried. And oh. there was all um, pictures of all the troops in this little church, just in the little church in the middle of Wales. Oh, and our mum's got a, a she's bloody typical my mum, wiped off the bloody phone. I was just going to try and get it for the podcast to show these, oh. all these banners with all the different soldiers. My other interesting fact is as well that um, they. Uh, employed real Zulu people. Three quartermen never even knew what a film was. Yes, that's they true. had to show them a film, an Audie Murphy. It was an Audie Murphy Western yeah, was, to yeah. show them what the what an actual film was. Yeah, because they didn't know what to do. No. And it weren't filmed at Rourke's Rift, was it? It was filmed about sixty miles away. No, it wasn't. No, I can't remember. It was filmed. Yeah, it was yeah. filmed. Um, no, because I suppose it would have been quite hard to film it there. Well, I think it's a tourist thing. I'd, I'd love to go there. Wouldn't also, you? some of them are wearing wristwatches. Which are paid, oh, paid. I know the big myth is we're paid in cones. That's a load of crap, isn't it? It's a load of crap. I think that's a racial slur. Yeah, yeah. Of course, they had to fight the apartheid stuff when they was there because there was a load of stuff where you can't mix with them, which is really hard when it's a film crew. Of course, they took being British, we took no notice of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's it. That's the end of the podcast. I think that was that quite, was a, quite a good one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah we actually Maybe talked about what we were talking about the film, which was <laughs> the first. Yeah. Um, what are we going to talk about in the next? You know, what we do. Devil Rides Out. The Devil Rides Out. That's going to be uh, one more. Month is you know, that's gonna be out of April, uh, is. Episode, isn't it? Because it's because we recorded slightly ahead of time, at the moment. yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah, because you did that, yeah. So, uh, yeah, The Devil Rides Out, the classic uh, horror hammer film. Uh, send in comments if you want, you're gonna hear all the bump for a little bit later on from Jen, of course. And uh, yeah, there's an note for anything surprising. Uh, that's all from me. Goodbye, goodbye. If you would like to voice your opinions in written or vocal form then please do email the lads at waffleonpodcast at gmail.com and await your views to be aired and then royally torn apart or praised. If you stalk the Internet and hide in such social networks as Facebook, then why not join the group page? It's easy to do. Just type Waffle On Podcast in the search bar, find the page, and join. This has been a Waffle On production. Copyright Simon Mettings and Mark C. Kelly. Be seeing you.